Hello again, and welcome back to Killing the Great White Male. Today we have more of our conversation about pleasure activism. More, for me at least, very uncomfortable conversation that uh, was also really meaningful and stretching, especially as, around the realizations uh, of, of what it's like to, to not necessarily want to change my body, my genitalia, my presentation in the world, but also to know that I have a spectrum even as I, I sit with the fact that I have all this privilege as a white dude. So let's go ahead and dive right back in. Absolutely. It, it, it That's so huge. Um, and you just pinged to, for me, a, a big part of the book. So I, I read... I, I read these books like both for the experience that I, I get to have with somebody else processing it. Like, you know, these are the experiences of the dorm room at 2 a.m., you know, and you're like, holy shit, I just read blah! And the other person's yeah. like, oh my God, that changed my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I miss that shit. Um, yeah. uh, I may be a 46 year old middle aged fuddy duddy, but damn it, I miss that. Um, and it. <laughs> So, but there, so I, but I read these books also with the lens of killing the great white male, making the argument that the privilege that is assigned to me visually, just when people look at me, assess me, and go, white dude, um, you know, he yeah. gets to walk down the sidewalk and we get out of his way. Um, he can talk over us and nobody gives a shit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, all the little privilege bits. I can always get a taxi in New York. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah. And people assume that I have money and means and I do, but none of them know that it's only because of my spouse. Like, right. The reason I'm at the supermarket in the middle of the day is because my spouse brings home the bacon, so to speak. Um, yeah. So I read them with this and there was this quintessential moment on page 90. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not sure where to pick this up, so I'm just going to dive in here. Um, I share this piece. Is, 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 is this actually the author here? I can't even remember. I, uh, I don't know, but I also underlined this, so that's hilarious. Okay. Oh, no, this is uh, her. Uh, this is from an essay by Joan Morgan. Um, oh, and at some point during this book, I just started looking up all the people she was quoting because I'm, I'm looking. Oh, yeah. I didn't get My into book <laughs> I didn't get into the PhD program that I was looking at. So I'm like, now, oh, cool. Now I get to look at all the places I didn't apply to. Um, so uh, let's see. This is jo Joan Morgan. She's at NYU, I noted. Um, anyway, a pleasure ninja, I think, is her. Anyway, she's an amazing. Um, yeah. She says, I share this piece as a reminder to both the reader and myself that inherent in the noble search for new directions in BFT, and now I'm, oh, black, black feminist. Black feminist theory theory right? there we go um man okay let's yeah, let's make sure that as we throw around uh anachronisms that we define them for our audience because sure. as, as i'm reading this i knew what it meant when i was reading it but but now reading it out loud i'm like i don't remember what the hell that is okay yeah. uh is the diffident exciting uncertain uncertainty of that new new that tricky impolitic thing that positions itself precariously on the firm foundation of black feminist intellectual labor and a destabilizing, clearly crunk willingness to strip the house down to its structural beams if necessary. Mm -hmm. 
Like all successful renovation projects, it is driven by love, newly identified needs, and a tacit preparedness to do violence to whatever came before. This is not a comfortable or easy habitable, easily habitable space. Uh, That right there, I've been struggling with the name of this podcast and it's also what, what I've been calling the book that I I wrote last fall is killing the great white male. I've been really struggling with it. My, one of my editors was going back and forth because it's like, it's also about saving myself. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's about saving white men. It's about saying y'all, your privilege cuts you off from shit. And I mean, just like it, it, this, this metaphor of the renovation project. Oh my God. Yeah. We, we renovated a house, uh, our, uh, the house in Lodi that I really grew up in. And it went from this, I guess it was called the Victorian cottage where it had all these little tiny rooms to a much more open thing. And that's what this feels like. And you have to be willing to do the violence first. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially where you have privilege. Uh, Like, like that's, that becomes incredibly important to, you know, I'm, I'm also white, like, um, uh, like I'm white and able-bodied. Like it's, it's so important to, um, to deface the idea, the, the sanctity of whiteness, you know, because our whiteness is not a inherent, like white is not a. It's fucking made up. It's fucking made up. It's a, it's not a legitimate um, identity category. Whiteness is something that we've constructed, particularly in the U.S., around very specific ideas of Puritan, Protestant, uh, upper class ideals that we all adhere to. Um, but whiteness itself is something that needs to get completely dismantled, uh, so that we, as white people, can have something else that sustains us um like the the importance i've been really thinking about the idea of decolonization you know like when when you go into when you do any um undergrad uh race studies or class study stuff you you get uh decolonization material and um the work that has been done has been um you know by people who are trying to decolonize themselves from from whiteness uh because whiteness has been forced upon them um but what I what I what I always wondered was um, where am I in this in this um, what do I do with my own decolonization like yes. my my real interest like my my burning interest going forward um, that I've been building for a long time is this idea of decolonizing myself as a white person and the importance of finding something bigger and better and more beautiful for white people to inhabit than this supremacist patriarchal capitalist system that is also killing us like we're we're not the targets of of the oppression but it's so stifling um that are the the things that we have to give away of of our humanity to remain privileged in this system are untenable and that's clear with the i mean how many mass shooters <laughs> are oh, you know like like to, to me um i i hate the conversation around like oh it's just mental illness oh it's um it's it's evil people like i don't believe in the evilness of individual people i don't think that that's no an evil system produced an this evil, 
absolutely. And that's not, I don't want to take, um, I don't want to say like that these people aren't responsible for what they did. They're very responsible for what they did. But if we want to rectify the system, we can't, we can't just treat the symptoms of what happens when we separate when we when we separate people and tell them that they're better it's also um it isolates and is a horrific place to inhabit mm -hmm. even if it has some hedonistic pleasures of belonging yes. like um, it, so i've become very invested in 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 investigating and defacing my whiteness. So this is all leading up to say that I personally love the title of your podcast. I have to admit the first time I heard it, it shook me a little. And I was like, that's very brutal and intense. And I don't know how I feel about that. And, but what I loved about that experience of hearing the title of your podcast was I was like, here is my fragility all up in my face. Like mm. how, like I, I only, <laughs> I only identify with one privilege sector there and and it and it bothered me yeah. how how interesting like how how incredibly shallow and fragile my little tower of of privilege and power is that it could be so shook by the title of a friend's podcast um so i've i've come to love it greatly uh so i'm gonna I'll continue the renovation metaphor right here because you're, yeah, I like you're sitting on something big. I remember the first time I got to use a sledgehammer during that renovation, mm -hmm. and and I smacked this wall that just looked like a wall, um, but it, it was a really old house, so it was built with lath and plaster. So when the the head of the hammer, the the sledgehammer hit the wall, it paint it bounced the lath, which is a strip of wood behind the 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 plaster, which was all applied wet. Like what we have sheetrock now is just, it, it's, it was to get yeah. away from this tradition of, you know, hanging wet stuff on the wall and letting it dry and drool. Um, yeah. and, and so the, the other end of the lath <laughs> threw a chunk of plaster and it smacked me in the head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah <that's> awesome. <laughs> it was just this gigantic lever to like throw shit at me. Um, but that's what it, I, I agree with you. That's what it feels like to me waking up, realizing like I have the privilege to do this stuff. I, I have the privilege to violate my own privilege. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, and it is, it's important to take that power. Like misbehaving. Misbehaving. Yeah. 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 And it, um, it, it really helps me to, to uh, bring my, my oppressed, uh, angles into it and egg on the the white fragile um yeah. supremacists inside of me to cut that to to dismantle it and to uh like to be honest i was very nervous to do this podcast because i've been going through a period of feeling very uncomfortable being public about mm. my own processes and my own opinions around this stuff um partially because i've been terrified of getting it wrong and I, I, and, and looking bad. And, um, you know, so part of my accepting your invitation to do this was like, I need to step my pussy up and fucking do the work and do it publicly and be willing to fail and be willing to be criticized and do, and, and to not let my fragility, um, stop me from doing the good work, which, you know, I'm embarrassed to say it has been for quite a while. My desire to, 
be good and and be appear in the world as good um mm. it fucks me up man <laughs> i'm totally with you i yeah i'm so with you on this it um i i knew in 2008 that this was that this was my life's work and i didn't mm -hmm. touch it until i was doing coach training and I had been talking about this skirt project that I'd always wanted to do, where I wanted to wear a skirt for 30 days and just talk to people about the fact that, you know, if we live in a supposedly free country, why is it weirding you out that I'm in a skirt? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, basically, yeah. just be like, you're the problem here. Like, you say that I have freedom, but when I exercise it as a white man, uh, it kind of exposes the fact that I really don't have that freedom. Um, right. Or there will be consequences to it. Um, I hadn't known that since 2008, and I didn't touch the project because I kept hoping that somebody else would write this book. Right. Like. Yeah. Um, and it also. And there's there's the challenge of. So I, I think it's really important. We're dancing around a bunch of topics here. Um, one of them is one of the things I'm loving about the current black feminist uh, theory and current black feminist writings is that, it, well, and writers of feminists of color in general, they're, they're my major source for everything in my life right now. Um, like, this is my go-to. And it's because they, a lot of these folks are writing either in or around American academia, and at some point they had to start acknowledging their privilege in having access to that. Mm -hmm. And the second they did, a whole whole other modes of analysis uh, analysis opened up and that for me is where i situate killing the great white male because the second that we acknowledge our privilege then we are acknowledging that we have you know paulo freras the seed of the oppressor that lives in all of us right we have mm -hmm. a great white male if you are an, a, a u.s person and you grew up here uh, you've been highly influenced by the culture i don't care if your family was fucking haitian um, before mm -hmm. you came here, if you grew up here, you have a great white male <laughs> living inside you. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that popped up in Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, um, uh, Between Me and the World, his black judge and his white judge. Like, it pops up yeah. all over the place. Um, yeah. But, but that that notion, the second we can begin to acknowledge that there's privilege, and we have to both acknowledge that privilege even as we undermine and destroy it, uh, um, uh, you know, misbehave, but it, but it also gives room for this really struggled conversation of, you know, we are the colonizer and we are the colonized. Even me as a white man, those motherfuckers yeah. colonized my ass. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're all products of a, a system that socializes us. Yes. You know, nobody, nobody's born being a racist. Nobody's born being a misogynist. Yeah. Like these are, these are things that are, um, taught to us and innate in, in the systems. And so, so what's really interesting to me is like, okay, once I have um, started to deal with these issues, uh, the reason I picked this book um, off of your shelf of amazing books was because I could tell by the title that there was something here that was incredibly germane to what I feel like I'm moving towards in being my life's work, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which is the idea of, um, what do we do with this information? How do we create that world that we're looking for? I've spent so many hours in, in classes and reading books 
analyzing what went wrong, understanding the problem, rooting out my own, um, you know, attempting to root out my own misogyny, attempting to root out my own white supremacy. And then, and the question has repeatedly arisen for me, okay, now how do I live? There was a full stop for me when Katrina said, how do we create that world? And then there was another one after she said, now how do we live? There's, there's just so damn much here. It, it really, I, I, I mean, this is the stuff of, of life. This is the, the project of living is awakening and then integrating and awakening and integrating. And how do we integrate without losing it? One of the biggest challenges for me around this work is I, I did work around pleasure, you know, well, earnestly about 12 years ago, but it began actually 15 years ago when I realized that I had to get these things called boundaries. And it it really is the key to pleasure because it's it's understanding what is mine and what's not. and 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 then how do I bring that into relationship with others? So that integration piece is really vital because I know for me at least, I then went back to sleep. Um, it's so it happens so easily. So so really, yeah, this one's worth thinking about. It's worth I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm still sitting with what does it mean? Um, I recorded this you know, almost two weeks ago now and and uh, the conversation is renewing itself with my own partner on this because this is just such a, challenging topic so thanks for for listening today thanks for uh hanging in there with all the crazy shows we've been doing on this on this work on this on this topic um be sure to to start this conversation with somebody you know love and trust and uh and and also share it uh share this this podcast with your friends on social media Download it to a friend's phone if you know they'd enjoy it. But let's let's uh, let's make this conversation bigger. Look forward to talking to you again soon.